Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Bible turn to the New Testament in the epistles. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospels, and then it moves on, and then you get into the epistles. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to be landing in this one prayer. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, we're taking one verse a week. How many of you love verse-by-verse teaching? Some of you are like, oh, man, that's it. That's the, that's, well, you're getting that right now. You're getting that for the next eight weeks. And um, we're going to dive into this prayer. Mike McKinnis led us last week, did a fantastic job, and um, kind of gave us the macro, uh, the, the kind of big picture of, uh, of Scripture, Genesis to Revelation. And let me read for us Ephesians 3. Why don't you stand with me when we read the Word of God? Why don't we stand together? And uh, here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots, they'll grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Verse 20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Ephesians 3, verse 1. You go back to the first part of the chapter, verse 1 and verse 14. Two times in chapter 3, Paul writes, when I think of all this, when I think of all this, that might be a little phrase you underline in your Bible. When I think, what is, what is it that he's thinking of? When I think of all this, that's why we phrased this series, God is bigger and better than you think. I believe he's referring to chapter one, chapter two, and the first half of chapter three. When I think of all, the, all this that I've just written about, when I think of all of that, 
I fall to my knees and I pray. Well, what has he written about? Ephesians 1. You go back there, read Ephesians 1. It's so rich. In fact, if I were to summarize Ephesians 1, it's this. You and I are richer than we realize. What does Paul talk about? What does he write about? He writes in Ephesians 1 that God loves you, that God has chosen you, that God has adopted you, that Jesus is rich in kindness and grace, that Jesus purchased our freedom. He forgave our sin. He showered us. That means he lavished or he generously poured out on us. What did he shower on us? His kindness, his wisdom, his understanding. He's, he's poured it out and he showered it on you and on me. Now just pause. This is just Ephesians 1. Does this, 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 if you sit in it, soak in it, simmer in it, it blows your mind. At least I hope it does. Notice that Ephesians 1 isn't God's mad at you. God's angry. He's, pouring, he's, he's, he's judging you. He, you've disappointed him. You're not good. That's not what it says. It's love, chose, adopted, kindness, grace, freedom, forgiveness, wisdom, all of it for you and upon you. Ephesians 2, God is rich in what? Mercy, love, grace, kindness, same words. And then he goes on, and, and, and Mike talked about this, that, that we are God's masterpiece, his workmanship. We are uniquely created. We are, you are a one of a kind, priceless, original, made by God and for God to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You have a purpose when you wake up every morning. That's Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 goes on to say you were an outsider and now God made you an insider. God makes outsiders insiders through Jesus. His death on the cross, Ephesians 2, it created peace. Peace, oneness, unity between Jews and Gentiles, between those of us that have differences, between whether that be race, class, politics, you name it, Jesus' death on the cross to create unity and oneness, that Jesus is what unites us. And then you get to Ephesians 3, and Paul talks a little bit about himself and, and as an apostle, but then there's this one line in there, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. What does that mean? It means because of Jesus, God has become accessible and approachable. You can approach God with confidence, with boldness. And then we get to Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. Mike did 14. I'm doing 14 and 15 because it overlaps. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. So what does it mean to fall on my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth? I'm going to give you three words, adoration, desperation, and conversation. Those are kind of the way I want to frame this talk this morning, adoration. What does it mean to fall on my knees? Adoration, to adore 
God. How great God is. To remind ourselves of that, to tell him that. Last weekend, last Sunday, I, or Saturday, I uh, officiated a wedding in Montana and uh, a family in our church. And uh, the bride, I heard her say this. I was like, my, my ears perked up. I heard the bride say that since she was a little girl, she has always adored. That's what she said. I've always adored my father. What do you think that means? To adore your father. To look up to him. To respect him. To love him. To be inspired by him. Right? Probably more. But isn't that kind of what Paul's saying? When he says, I fall to my knees and I pray to this father. And then you read that prayer. Paul adores God the Father. This God who's full of wisdom and mercy and grace and unfailing love. This creator of heaven and earth, so powerful. The life giver, not life depleter. The one who breathes life into us. Relationship with him is life giving. Everything creative, everything beautiful in your life flows from our creator, the creative one. And so as children of God, it's important that we, like Paul, we pause to adore him. That's why we sing on Sundays, to adore him, to recognize him, to respect him. It's about reverence. It's about praise. It's about adoration. I'm a big fan in the last few years of a guy named Pete Gregg. He's out of the UK. He does Lectio 365. Here's what he writes. He says, the best way to start praying, therefore, is actually to stop praying. What? Where's he going with this? To pause. To be still. To put down your prayer list and surrender your own personal agenda. To stop talking at God long enough to focus on what? On the wonder of who he actually is. To be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. But that little phrase, to focus on the wonder of who he actually is, that's adoration. That's prayer. Prayer isn't just us talking, 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 talking. Pause. Be still. To focus on the wonder of who he actually is. Read Ephesians 1 again. It reminds us of who he actually is. Some of you, like me, are fans of Francis Chan. Listen to this quote. I have a lot of quotes for us today. Here's what Francis says. He says, Many spirit-filled authors have exhausted the thesaurus in order to describe God with the glory he deserves. His perfect holiness, by definition, assures us that our words cannot contain him. And I love this this. this 
Isn't it a comfort to worship a God we cannot exaggerate? Isn't that good? I just love that last line. Isn't it a comfort to worship a God we cannot exaggerate? Just soak in. that you, He's bigger and he's better than you or I think. For those of you that love the Psalms, Psalm 145.3, underline that in your Bible. Great is the Lord. He's most worthy of praise. And then here's the line. No one can measure his greatness. No one can measure. What does that mean? It means he's bigger and better. He is so great, so amazing, so awesome, so loving. We can't even get our head around it. We can't measure his greatness. And therefore, we fall on our knees in adoration. Second part of prayer that I want to talk about and reflect on is is not just adoration, but desperation. That word for some of you is like, anybody that's desperate is pathetic, right? Isn't that kind of our culture? Like, I don't want you to to see that I might be desperate because that's weak. That's weak sauce right there. Desperate people, they're pathetic people, right? But biblical people, people of God, right here, right now, I want to remind you that the kingdom of God is upside down from our culture, that desperation is where we need to be. I fall on my knees, not only in adoration, falling on my knees. I get on my knees when I'm desperate. How about you? When I'm desperate. And I learned this week from Daryl Johnson, reading his commentary on Ephesians, that falling on my knees. This was not the normal posture for Jewish people to take when they prayed. Kneeling was the norm for Gentiles, but not for Jewish people. Jewish people usually stood up to pray, lifting their hands up to God. That was the Jewish form of praying, the Jewish posture of praying. But the Gentile posture is getting on your knees out of deep reverence, adoration, and, Daryl Johnson says, a a new fervent longing, that longing of desperate, of helplessness, of I need you, God, help me, God. Where would I turn but you, God? That desperate kind of prayer. See, as I was reading this this week, I was thinking, Paul... This is something Paul understood. He knew that he could not change the Ephesians, the Christians in Ephesus. I I can't change him, but God can. And so I am going to get on my knees, and I am going to intercede. I'm going to pray for them because I know I, I don't have the power within me to change them. Now, I wonder this morning if you're here and there's somebody in your life that you're trying to change. I'm wondering if there's a child in your life that you're trying to fix, a friendship, a boss, a colleague, a coworker that you're like, I I, I am spending my time trying to fix or change them. Spoiler alert. Number one, being on the receiving end of that sucks. People around you trying to fix you, change you, 
God is the one who changes us from the inside out. Our job is to pray. Pray. Quit trying to fix everybody around you. You can't even fix yourself. And get on your knees like Paul and pray that God's love, God's unfailing love, will do its work of healing, of maturation, and do that, that kind of helping the people around you and your own self become the best version of yourself, a healthy, life-giving, loving person. I believe that transformation, life change, begins with desperation. In my own life, the changes that I've made in my life, where I'm going, man, I need to grow up. I need to change. I need to stop doing that and start to... It starts with... De- I, I don't do it unless I get desperate enough to do it. And most of us, that's kind of the story. So how desperate are you willing to look? How desperate are you for change? Let me read a couple quotes for us. There's this classic book. I read it in college. Uh, it was titled, it's titled Prayer by Ole Housby. Anybody read that? Remember that book? Ole Housby. And, 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 I, and I, love, I grabbed a quote from it this week. He said this, Listen, my friend, your helplessness is your best prayer. Come on. That is good right there. Your helplessness. Some of you are like, oh, no. Is that what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Yeah. Get helpless. Get desperate. Your helplessness is your best prayer. It calls from your heart to the heart of God with greater effect than all your uttered pleas. He hears it from the very moment that you're seized with helplessness, and he becomes actively engaged at once in hearing and answering the prayer of your helplessness. You know, go back, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over, chapter after chapter after chapter. We see crippled people, sick people, parents bringing their children to Jesus and doing what? Crying out to God for help with a heart that's absolutely feeling desperate. Where else would we go? Would you heal my child? Would you you touch my shriveled hand? Would you heal me of my dot, dot, dot? In fact, that story of the persistent widow, the story of the the friend at midnight, Paul Miller in his book, The Praying Life, he says this, the persistent widow and the friend at midnight, they get access because they are desperate. Learned desperation is at the heart of a praying life. Learned desperate. We learn it. We don't just immediately or feel it just when life's, you know, in the toilet, so to speak, or we're, 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 we're at the rock bottom. You can learn desperation when you're on the mountaintop. In fact, sometimes when you're in, at the top of your success, you need to learn desperation because that, that's where it's like, I don't need God. Look at me. Look at me right now. I got all these people listening to me. I don't need God. I'm just going to preach, right? That's when you're in trouble. I don't need God. I, I've got relational skills. I made all this money on my, 
No, 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 no. That's when you get in trouble. Learn desperation. Stay on your knees. Oh, man, I got, I got so much stuff I want to share with you, but... Psalm 34, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. You ever wonder, does God hear my prayers? They just sit in the seat. The Lord, here's a promise. The Lord hears you when you call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. If that's you, stay on your knees Keep crying out, keep pleading, keep begging, keep stay in that desperate posture. God, I need you to come through for me. He hears you. Prayer is crying out in desperation. And let me just remind you, this is an awesome quote, A.W. Tozer. Anything God has ever done, he can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. Do you believe that? Oh, no, no, Old Testament, God doesn't do that. God, God doesn't do that anymore. Yeah, he does. God can do a work in your life this morning through prayer and the power of prayer. I wrote this in my notes. I wrote, prodigals and prisoners. And I was just working on the message, and I thought, the desperation prayer often comes from those of us that have prodigals in our lives, adult children that have walked away from their faith, younger children that aren't choosing to walk with God, a spouse, a husband, a wife that have wandered, the prodigal. They've, they've just turned away from God. They've gone, you know, into another distant country, far from God. Those are the prodigals. Might be a, friend, a close friendship, a family member. But today we're going to pray for the prodigals in your life. Maybe today you're the prodigal. Maybe somehow, some way, you came to this space, but your heart is far from God. Today, the Lord would say to you, come home. That's our prayer. Come home. Come home to the heart of God. But then I, I also put in my notes, prisoner. There are some of us in this space this morning that are in prison. Jesus said he came to set the captive, the prisoner free. And there's a whole lot of kind of prisons that we're in, but we're locked up. We're in chains. We can't seem to break free from a habit, an addiction, a toxic relationship, uh, whatever it is, an abusive relationship, we are being held captive. And we've tried stuff on our own power, and, and today I want to call us to pray for the prodigals and the prisoners in our midst, in our community, in our families. And then, and we're going to have a time here at the end of this message to pray but let me, let me skip down to the, the third word, which is conversation. So we have prayer as adoration, prayer as desperation, and then simply prayer is conversation. 
I read a book this year. It's a newer book. It's from the younger generation, Tyler Statton. Some of you are fans of his. Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. Great book. Really, really enjoyed it. Here's what he writes. God is looking for relationship. Not well-prepared speeches spoken from perfect motives. Prayer in any form by anybody is God's invitation to pull up a chair at the table, to the table, and enjoy restful, intimate, unbroken conversation with the triune God. God is looking for relationship. Who needs to hear that this morning? Not, you're not looking for rule followers. You're not looking for people that just come and check the box. He's looking for intimacy, closeness, connectedness, relationship with you. And notice what Paul is doing here in Ephesians 3, what this prayer we're going. He's talking to God. We, 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 we have a front row seat into this relationship that he has with God. He's having a conversation. He's praying. He's listening. He's talking to God on behalf of the Ephesian believers. A few more quotes here, and then I'll wrap this up. F.B. Meyer says, The greatest tragedy is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. The greatest tragedy isn't, it's unoffered. It's that we don't need God. We're not praying. I'll bet you 99.9 of us in this room this morning would say, I am not an expert in, like if I said, raise your hand if you're an expert in prayer. Like you got this thing figured out. Like you should be teaching at a seminary on prayer. Raise your, I mean, I'm going to guess maybe one person. I don't know who you are, but uh, I'm going to, you know. Most of us feel like novices. We're still in elementary school when it comes to prayer. And the greatest tragedy isn't unant, but it's unoffered. How do we learn? How do we grow? It's, it's just by starting somewhere. The missionary to the Philippines back in the 1900s, Frank Laubach, he says this, the habit of prayer, don't miss that, the habit, not just when you feel like it, but Create spiritual rhythms, practices. That's what it's, so it becomes a habit. The habit of prayer for others, it makes you noble. Your thoughts grow wider and higher. Your selfishness melts away. You become Christ-like. You bless mankind. You're loved by all who know you. People think you're beautiful. For you become radiant with the smile of Christ. Your joy comes from what you give not from what you accumulate. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if today you said, I am going to grow, I'm going to commit to start praying for others on a regular basis. I'm going to form a habit of intercessory prayer. I'm going to pray for our staff. We need intercessors. We need people to say, hey, I want to be on your intercessory prayer team. I want to be praying for you. I want to be praying for Cozy, for Jono, for Casey, for your team, your staff. We need those intercessors. What Do you believe that if you made a commitment, your family needs your prayers, your workplace needs your prayers, What this quote says is, 
Prayer changes you. It's not just changing out there. It also changes the prayer into becoming this beautiful person that's radiant. I know I shouldn't say this but because my wife always says, you always say that, but I'm going to say it. And that is, this is one of my favorite quotes. She goes, you got like 3,000 favorite quotes, but this is one of my favorite quotes. It really is. It's by Peter Creep from uh, Boston College. He said this, and I've used this before. He says, I strongly suspect that if we saw all the difference, even the tiniest of our prayers make, and all the people those little prayers were destined to affect, and all the consequences of those prayers down through the centuries, we would be so paralyzed with awe at the power of prayer that we'd be, we would be unable to get up off our knees for the rest of our lives. That doesn't motivate me and you to get on our knees in adoration, in desperation, and in conversation with God. And then just to leave you with this to encourage you, a final quote by Pete Gregg. He says this, the best bit of advice that I've ever received. That's, did that get your, the best bit of advice that I've ever received about how to pray was this. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it up. Write that down. Isn't that good? Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it up. I'm going to have the band come on up. We're going to we're going to worship, but we're going to respond to this in a bodily way. Not just, okay, I got to pray more, whatever, right? I, I want to encourage you. I want to I inspire you to respond to what you've heard this morning, to choose one of those three. Maybe today, maybe you've never understood that the God who's bigger and better than you think that we're talking about that, that he's worthy of your adoration. Maybe you've had God in this box that, that he's angry and mean and uh, he's mad at you rather than mad about you. And maybe today you take that step into faith and into the family of faith saying, I, wanna, I actually want to give my life to this God who I'm reading about and hearing about in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 that he's rich in mercy, that he's forgiving, that he wants to set me free, that he wants to be my life giver, my savior, my friend. Yeah, that's the God of the Bible. I don't know what you've heard, but that, that's, the, that's the Bible I'm reading. And maybe today you say, I want to take that step of adoration and, uh, and I'm willing to fall to my knees in humility, but also in hunger. Like spiritually hungry people get on their knees. Spiritually humble people get on their knees, you know. And the only reason you won't get on your knees is you're physically unable or pride. Am I right? I mean, you might go, I, I physically can't do that. Okay. Or I'm afraid of what other people might think about me. I'm, uh, 
I don't need to do that. I can pray to God right here where I am. Yet, well, you can. But if, have you heard anything about desperation? How desperate are you? And so choose adoration, or maybe today you choose, I, I'm, I'm in that place where I need the prayer of desperation. There's some things going on in my life. I need God to show up. I need God to come through. There's some, there's some hurt. There's some challenges. I'm at the end of my rope. My family's broken. Whatever it is, that desperation of God, I need healing. I am, I am so full and filled with bitterness and a chip on my shoulder. I don't even like being around myself, you know. That might be you. And in desperation, get on your knees and pray to the Father, the Creator, who's the life giver. And maybe you're not in either. The last one is conversation. And conversation is today you say, you know what? I'm going to pray for others like Paul. Like Paul, I'm going to fall to my knees. Or if you don't want to get on your knees, you can do the, the other version, which is stand up and raise your hands. Right? There's the Jewish version and there's the Gentile version. You get to choose. You get to do this today and come down here to the pit. Just come down here and get on your knees and pray during this music, this song. Or you can stand up and raise your hands. Or you can sit with your arms folded. Or you can sit with your hand on your heart. Or you can sit with your, your palms open. I'm, I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to encourage you to say, how about, how about moving your body in a different way than this today? Let's stand together and let's respond to this message. And let me just say, if you don't know what or who to pray for, there are people in here that are hurting. Get on your knees and pray for others that you know that are hurting. There are people that are lost. Get on your knees and pray for people that are far from God, that need Jesus in their life. There are people in this place that are lonely. Get on your knees and pray for people to find friendship. So when you're ready, I know where you're sitting, it's all cement. You don't want to kneel there, although you can. This front area right here, just like Diane leading the way, just come right up here and get on your knees and pray, or let's lift up our hands and worship God. Let's do it.